for me when we get up there and see Jesus face to face, won't it? Ain't that something? Good evening. Welcome to North Gainesville Baptist Church. Brother Pete's here. Good. Everybody's here. Let's all take a songbook. Turn the old Willie Nelson song. Page 70. Page 70. We sing the first, second, last verse. <laughs> sweeter that looks, doesn't it? No clouds, no rain, no sorrows, only bliss. Wow. I can take that right now. Amen? Well, y'all quiet about that. I mean, I'll get more. I say a little more. That's right. Man, that's going to be real good. I mean, better than business and gravy. Amen? That's a lot for a Baptist. Looking forward to it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We look forward to that unclouded day. So much more. Oh, there's so much more. To see our Savior's face, to see the, our loved ones who've gone before, the apostles uh, that have gone before, the prophets have gone before. Oh, how we long for that day. There's no more sin, no more sorrow, no more pain and suffering for us who know you. Oh, Lord, we, just, we look forward to that day, long for that day. But help us again to do all we can to tell others so they can be a part of that day. So they will know the importance of that unclouded day and, and the joy of salvation, redemption. Oh, God, please help us to do all we can while we can to share the good news with folks. Lord, encourage us as saints tonight as we look again to your word. I pray that you would help us, Lord. If there's any area that we struggle, Lord, I pray through your spirit that you'd point it out to us. So we, by the grace of God, can be better than when we came in this place. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So good to have you here on a Wednesday night, uh, Lord willing, uh, tomorrow night we will have our Bible study, but Friday night 
we will, by the grace of God, uh, have our Phoebe's Valentine's uh, dinner, 6.30. We're going to have some good games, and uh, Brother Eric, Lord willing, will be giving a devotional. Of course, good food, and we're looking forward to that, 6.30 in the Fellowship Hall. Uh, Friday, I mean, Sunday night, uh, Brother Joe Cotvass will be with us. He's a missionary to the death in Peru. As I mentioned, that is where Brother Nate Tannehill is right now, serving. And I'll uh, be looking, looking forward to um, uh, seeing our dear brother. I haven't seen him in many years. I think he's originally from the Fort Myers area. And so uh, good to catch up with him and hear his, about his ministry uh, that's coming up. Uh, Saturday the 17th, we'll be going on visitation from 10 to 12. Hope you can go out with us and invite folks out. Uh, Friday and Saturday, February 23rd, 24th, the men retreat. They're in Lake Park, Georgia, as we try to go to every year. There's a sign-up sheet there in the back. Uh, we need to register by the 12th, by the 12th. So, men, if you will go online, if you're planning on going and uh, go to the Venture Faith. I just did it this afternoon. I went online, went to um, Venture Faith and registered. It's $40 if, you go, if it's just going to go Friday night. It's $80 if you're going to go both nights. But please sign up uh, for that. March 3rd uh, through the 6th, we're having uh, our missions conference. Uh, we're going to have the Calvary Quartet the, in, in the morning service, and the evening service, I believe. Bruce Humbert, he's been before, will be our guest speaker that Sunday through the, through the 6th. Uh, we're looking forward to having a missionary family, the Michael Shaver family. They will be with us. So it will be a good missions conference. Of course, we'll be talking more about faith promise, encouraging. We've had a lot more folks join us, uh, even since November. So we would encourage them uh, to, to be a part of, of faith promise. And we'll pray and ask God what he will do if he will allow us to uh, add a few more missionaries. I think we're still around 45 or so missionaries. I'd love to see us get up to 50 at least. So we pray about that and see what God would like to do through us to support worldwide missions. Brother Chuck. Oh, before he comes, we do have a petition for a Republican candidate. If you are interested in signing this petition for this dear lady, uh, look in the back and you'll know and you'll get more information about it. Yeah, brother. After church. Yeah. After. Oh, yes. After church. Amen. After church. And we need some help for the Valentine's banquet. So all you folks that can help us in the back, we'll, we'll probably about 10, 15 minutes, hopefully we'll be done. All right. Let's take a song books. Turn to page 91. What a day that'll be. We got a good theme going tonight. Page 91, sing the, let's just sing all the verses of this one.
Fellowship, and that's fellowship here, and they get practiced up. y'all but i ain't seen nobody shaking no finger at nobody or mad or nothing everybody's smiling and fellowshipping like crazy it's crazy that's, 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 that's the way it ought to be done miss robin can we do 300 instead of 285 300 okay let's turn to page 300 
page 300. Sing the first and last verse. Oh, say, but I'm glad. Page 300. and giving back to God, isn't there? He's given us so much. Really, everything. How can we not give back to him? Brother Ruel, would you pray for our tithes and offerings? Maybe see Robin, take your Bibles if you would, and turn one more time to the book of Ezra. It's our last message in the book of Ezra. Lord willing, next week we will start the book of Nehemiah. Started studying that already uh, this, today and getting that prepared for next week. But we are going to kind of talk about a little bit what we started with last week and add to it. We talked about last week what are the steps to real repentance, and this is part two. We're in Ezra chapter 10 tonight, Ezra chapter 10, and um, I hope that yes, last week was an encouragement to you, and I want to add a little bit to that about the importance of true confession. You know, a lot of people, even the world uses words, uh, sp spiritual words, biblical words, but they have no real understanding what the meaning is. Uh, I saw a film the other night, and this lady talked about redemption. I don't really think they understand what redemption really means. 
I don't think they understand what, what um, uh, sanctification or justification. Many Christians don't know what that means or glorification. These are big, big words with really practical meanings. But a lot of people think about even salvation. People talk about salvation. I think a lot of people don't know what salvation means. I think they just think, well, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's a good thing. <laughs> salvation is a good thing. And it, it's the best thing. But they really don't know that salvation is important, but it's who it's through. Uh, it, it, salvation is not by just, okay, I finished, I finished the work week, salvation. Ah, you know, I made it to Saturday. Oh, salvation. Or I found the right person to get married to. Salvation. For a while, at least, they say that. <laughs> to the honeymoon's over. Then maybe not so much. <laughs> oh, I found the right job. Oh, salvation. That's great. But, dear friend, there's nothing like salvation through Jesus. Because everything else cannot even attempt to compare to salvation in Jesus. Because salvation in Jesus is salvation in someone who's perfect, who doesn't change, who, never, who, never, who, can, who can never fail you, who has never failed you, will never fail you. Salvation uh, in, in any other way is it's, it's troubling. But we see these biblical words that the world uses, and uh, I think they don't really understand what it means. So when it comes to the word of confession, I think a lot of folks, you know, that word is thrown out. I need to go make a confession. Catholics use that a whole lot. Go making a confession to a person. They go confess their sins to a, ter- a, a person, thinks it, thinks it does them good for a little while, and then before long they're out doing the same old thing. Because it's not a permanent thing. It's just a, it's just a, it's really out of a, out of a, out of a a sense of guilt that now I'm going to confess something. I got to get it off my chest. I got to confess. I got to confess it because I, because I, I, I I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want this guilty feeling on me. But someone who truly wants to do right, they confess it and, and they're confessing their sin to God to be clean. To be righteous, because we live, we live in a wicked world, this, this unrighteous. Like the Mirage Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas recently advertised in a full-length page in a business magazine. The page was black with four words written on the white across the center of the page, which reads, lead yourself into temptation. Well, I'm sure a whole lot of confession after a few nights at that casino and after Sunday night Super Bowl in Las Vegas, there'll be a whole lot of more confessing come Sunday morning after they wake themselves up, if they ever wake up. We discover here in the book of Ezra what it means to have true confession. And really, confession is just simply agreeing with God about, the, about, about whatever it is. Agreeing with God. You're not, not making it up. If, if you lied, you agree to God. I lied about it. If I stole something, you agree with God. I stole with something. We don't, we don't, we don't say another word about it. We don't try to, you know, we try, well, you know, I, I kind of did something wrong or I exaggerated. No, you just agree with God. We, we, we talked about a longer definition of a confession, meaning to agree with God about the sin or to, or to simply admit unfaithfulness to God through our specific sinful thoughts and action, to totally agree with God's point of view regarding your thoughts and action. And, 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 to, and to humbly accept any consequences brought about by those thoughts or actions, to diligently act, diligently act in renewed faithfulness towards your gracious, forgiving God. 
We talked about last week the fact that uh, it's not about uh, not getting caught. It's not about getting in trouble. It's about offending an holy God. Having a sense of my sin offended God and it was wrong. Not, not, not the consequences of it, but I offended God. I, I sinned against God. And we learned last week that Ezra had just found out about 113 spiritual and political leaders in Jerusalem that were guilty of marrying unbelieving, pagan, idolatrous women. And the Bible goes on to talk about in the book of Malachi that, that these men had divorced their Jewish wives and married these Ammonite, Hittite, and Egyptian women. So they did two evils. They divorced the women that, that, that they had and they married these wicked pagan women. They did two evils. So Ezra hears about this. We talked about the importance of the right response and what it means to have true confession. We, and remember last week we talked about the fact that when it comes to, when it comes to repentance, there must be an admission to sin. We talked about Ezra chapter 9 and verse 6. You can go back to chapter 9 and look at verse 6 for just a moment. Ezra chapter 9 verse 6, and he mentioned, we mentioned that he, that he said, Oh my God, I'm ashamed and blessed to live up my face. My God, for our iniquities are increased over our head. Our trespasses are grown up in the heavens. And now, oh our God, how shall we say after this? If we have forsaken the commandments which are commanded by the servants, the prophets, saying the land unto which you, you, get, you go to possess it is an unclean land with filthiness of the people, the lands with their abominations, which they filled it from one end to another with their uncleanness. Now therefore, verse 12, now therefore give not your daughters unto their sons, neither take their daughters unto your sons, nor seek their peace for their wealth forever. They may be strong and eat good of the land and leave it for an inheritance to your children. So Ezra was admitting the sin. We said that's the first step to true repentance. Don't, don't try to hide it. Don't try to blame on somebody else. Don't say, well, you know, it's not really my fault. It's my parents' fault. It's somebody else's fault. It's the government's fault. It's the, it's, it's the, as Flip Wilson said, it's the, devil's fault. it's the devil's fault. A lot of people like to blame everything else. Well, if I had better, better parenting, if it wasn't in this situation, it would have worked out. No, dear friend, you don't make any excuses for it. You just admit it. You got to admit it. That's the first step. We talked about that. Second, the second element of true confession we mentioned last week is an aversion to sin. An aversion we see in Ezra chapter 9 and verse 3. When, when basically when he heard this thing, when Ezra heard this thing, the Bible says, I rent my garment and my mantle, plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard, and sat down astonied. Stone-eyed. Meaning, this was horrible. This was horrible. When he heard the truth of it. When's the last time, when's the last time sin caused you to, to cry? to hurt, to feel pain, to feel sorrow. You know, a lot of times when we, when, when, we get to the plot, when we finally get to the point of admitting the sin, we say, well, you know, it's not that bad. It's not as bad as old so-and-so's sin. We think about somebody in the church who did something bad, and we think, well, it's not as bad as so-and-so. We compare our sin with other people. But, dear friends, sin is not a comparison thing. It's an admitting thing. And it's, it, it should, we should have an aversion to it. We should hate sin. We should love God and hate sin. Hate all sin. And thirdly, there's an awareness of God's grace in chapter 9, verse 13. 
Bible says, and after all that has come upon us, upon the evil deeds and for our trespass, oh, there's an aversion, excuse me. There's an acknowledge of the grace of God. Uh, after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and our great trespass, seeing that thou art God, has punished us less than our iniquities deserve and has given us deliverance as this. I love that phrase. Seeing that our God has punished us less than our iniquities deserve. And it, couldn't we all say that? Couldn't we? God has punished us less than our iniquity deserve. What do each one of us deserve tonight? We all deserve hell, don't we? We all deserve hell. But thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy that he's forgiven us and protected us and shown us grace and mercy. And I love the verse there, Romans chapter 6, verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. You know, false confession would never say that. He's saying, Lord, you've treated us better than we deserve. True confession magnifies our sin, and it magnifies the grace which God gives us. The people who don't, who, people who just, you know, who really don't confess their sin, they, 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 they minimize the sin. Oh, it's not that bad. It's not that big a deal. Everybody else does it. It was just one time. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. No. We may, a, a true confession magnifies it, the sin, and magnifies the grace of God. So true confession admits, admits it, but that's not enough. It involves inversion, but that's a, a version of the sin or hatred of the sin, but that's not enough. True confession involves awareness of the grace of God, but that's just not enough yet. More is needed. More is needed. It's not just, not, not, it's not just that. It's, it's understanding more what the, of the grace of God that we need in our life and how can we, what's the next step in that? It's, 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 it goes on further than that. Again, it's, it's understanding the Bible and, and, and looking at what else it says in, in Ezra chapter 10. And it's easy, it's easy just to, you know, to, to be hypocritical, isn't it? To say, well, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so, did this and did this, but I, 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 I don't do this kind of stuff. Oh, not, not me. <laughs> I don't, not me. I'm, I was so-and-so. They did wrong, but I, I don't do wrong. I don't have any problems. I never, I, never, I never do wrong. It reminds me of a presidential candidate one years ago who got up and tried to convince his crowd of his biblical, biblical values, and he, he said, I, I often quote and love the verse, John 16, 3. He meant John 3, 16. <laughs> he said, my favorite verse is John 16, 3. And John 16, 3 says, and these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. <laughs> that might have probably been more accurate of the truth of it. <laughs> See, it's easy to say I have confession. I believe in God's grace. I'm appalled by our sin. But the following step, two steps, show really do we mean it or not? Do we mean it or not? What's the, what's the fourth step? The, uh, what's the fourth step? There's a call to action. We're going to do something about it. Okay? I, 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 I admit the sin, have an aversion to the sin. I acknowledge the grace of God to the sin. But there's a call to action. We see it in chapter 10, verse 1. Look at chapter 10 and verse 1. Then when Ezra had prayed and when he had confessed, weeping and cast himself down before the throne of God, 
these assembled unto him out of Israel, a very great congregation of men and women and children, for the people wept uh, very sore. And Shanachar, the son of Jehel, <coughs> one of the sons of Elam, answered and said unto Ezra, We have trespassed our God. We have taken strange wives of the people of the land, yet now there is hope in Israel concerning this, concerning this thing. Did you notice, though, in this confession by this man, that he did all the elements of confession? There's admission, we have trespassed against our God. There's an aversion, we have taken strange wives of the people of the land. And there's awareness of God's grace. Yet now there's hope in Israel concerning this thing. But there's a call of action. Look at verse 3. Now therefore, let us make a covenant with our God to put away all the wives, such are born of them, according to the counsel of my, of my Lord, and of those that tremble at the commandment of our God, and let it be done, without, done according to the law. Arise, this matter belongeth unto thee, we also will be with thee. Be of courage and do it. So what just happens next? We'll look down at verse 9. What happens next? Look at verse 9. And all the men of Judah and Benjamin gathered themselves together in Jerusalem within three days. It was the ninth month on the twelfth day of the month. And all the people sat in the street of the house of God, trembling because of the matter and the great rain. And Ezra the priest stood up and said to them, Ye, trans ye have transgressed and have taken strange wives and increased the trespass of Israel. Now therefore, make confession unto you, Lord God of your fathers, and do this do his pleasure. Separate yourselves from the people of the land and from the strange wives. And the congregation answered and said with a loud voice, As thou hast said, so we must do. Well, I know one thing as a preacher, I love that type of reaction. It's like the whole place said, Amen. <laughs> Just what you said, preacher. We're going to do it. We're going to have an altar call, and everybody's going to come forward, and everybody's going to say, just as I am, and we're going to do it. Oh, how wonderful that is. That's wonderful. Any church organ, ministry organization for any cause of Christ is incredibly blessed to have leaders that declare the word of God that people within are affected within their organization who say, that's right, let's do it. Not just, not just, okay, I, I understand what you're saying, or I nod your head because that's politically correct, or religiously correct, but actually we're going to do it. You mean to say that, that Ezra told them to separate themselves from their wives? Yeah. Because in this situation, divorce became common in the community, and Jerusalem following this exile... And basically, many commentators believe the reason why these Jewish men had to divorce their wives in the, and to begin with because the Jewish women had, had become so haggard and, and uh, to the point where they wore themselves out in, in building this new town, this new, this new city, this new temple, that they weren't what they had lost their beauties and the beauty. And so the men, uh, the Jewish men, uh, being wicked, went out and found them a, a trophy wife. When Arthur Wote wrote about this situation in the declaration for Ezra uh, to tell the men to leave their foreign wives and go back to God, he wrote, while divorce is never God's ideal in the book of Ezra, it was a lesser of two evils. Idol worship was far less than divorcing idolaters who would have ultimately deluded or destroyed the restored Jewish community and God's special plan for them as a nation. So naturally, we know, obviously, that, that divorce is never uh, look, looked on as a, as a good thing at all. But it was better to leaving these women, divorcing these women, separating themselves from these women, was better than them having offspring by these foreign women and destroying their Jewish heritage. Another author 
commented a desperate situation called for desperate remedy. And evil had been done with jeopardized the very existence of the people of God and the only right course to bring the people back into alignment with the purpose of God for putting away their idolatrous wives. So, you know, they actually did it. A lot of people make confessions, but few people be willing to act. Some people, some, a few people will come to the altar, but even less after they live the altar will actually do what they said they would do after they prayed the prayer. True confession gets off its knees and makes things right with that person they've offended. True confession, the runaway returns home. The thief makes restitution. The adulterer severs the relationship. The cheater retakes the exam. The gossip retraces their steps. The liar tells the truth. True confession is not seen just in the words. It's seen in the action. Confession is revealed in the action. If someone truly confesses their sin, they're willing to do something about it. If if you're not willing to do something about it, change the habit. It's like a man who watches pornography the next day feels bad about it. He says, well, I shouldn't do that. But he doesn't destroy or get rid of that which causes him to stumble. If he's not willing to get rid of the whatever it may be that causes him to stumble, he really, really is not going to be repentant of it. He just feels sorry about it for a little while. You've got to get rid of it. You have, to, you have to take care of it. Because if you, unless you take care of it, and before long I might be getting into Sunday's message, but I won't, don't want to. If you don't get rid of it, dear friend, you're going to go back to it. If you don't get rid of it, you will go back to it. One more ingredient. One more ingredient to being repentant is accountability. A total of 113 Jewish men were involved in the sin of Aaron and marriage. 17 were priests, 10 were Levites, which included a singer and a gatekeepers. 86 were tribesmen. They became became accountable to one another as they met with Ezra in the remaining verses of chapter 10. Look at them. You see them. You you see them in verses 20, 20 all the way down to verses 43. There's a list of them. Their name is forever etched in the word of God. These are the men who committed the wicked sin of marrying women they should not have married in the land. I mean, they didn't just say, we admit it. We're willing to put our names down and do something about it. And forever, forever and ever, their names will be written in this holy book of the men who sinned against God. See, again, it's not about getting caught. It's not about getting in trouble. It's not about not wanting anybody to know about it. When you're, really conf- when you're really to the point of confessing and wanting to get true repentance, you don't care really who knows what. I've had people actually come up before, the, before, God, before folks and before God and everybody else and confess their sins to the whole church. You say, oh man, that's airing dirty business. I'm not talking about being irreverent. I'm talking about somebody who wants to get right. And a lot of times we, we're afraid of what people will know. And that fear is really what's keeping us from really getting right with God. I think I mentioned to you, I had a guy one time get up in front of the, after revival, get up and tell the whole, whole church he was wrong for burning his house down because he wanted the insurance money. 
He didn't care. He, he said, I don't care what happens to me. If they throw me in the jail, if they find me a million dollars, I got it. It's killing me. It's killing me the fact that I burnt my house down to get the insurance. And thankfully for him, it was past the, the date for him, to, for him to do anything about it. But he, he got it in front of the whole church and confessed it. He said, man, that's, that, that would be difficult. That would be tough. Well, you know, I think it would be healthy a lot of times for people to just admit they're wrong. The Bible says, confess your faults to one, forget your faults to, forget your faults to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. For so long, we just want to hide it. But nobody to know. Well, you know, nobody, nobody knows. We want everybody to think. You know, we come to church all dressed up, nice, nice shoes, nice pants, nice shirt, nice tie, got hair, hopefully. Everything's clean, everything's dandy, but then we go back home and live like the devil, and we don't want nobody to know. And when we're home, what we really like? See, Christianity, a friend, it's American Christianity has basically become, I'll come on Sunday morning. That's, Christianity has boiled down to one hour a, a week. That's what, Christ, that's what American Christianity has come to, is what we see one hour a week. But what do you do the, what do you do the rest of the week? How do you live the rest of the week? And that's why we're failing. Because Christianity is becoming, I'm coming to church on Sunday morning, I'll give God my hour, and the rest of the week, I live like the devil. And that's why the devil's winning in America. Because we give God just a little bit. And the people who are giving God a little bit are coming less and less and less. And churches who are willing to even have three services are less and less and less. There's only three other churches in this entire county that's open right now, probably on this, on this Wednesday night. In the whole county, maybe three, four at best in the whole county. Not that many. We're getting less and less of God and knowing God and living for God. And dear friend, that's why the Antichrist is going to do such a great work. That's why the devil is going to have a, such a great victory in so many ways. But Christianity is becoming weaker and weaker and weaker. Because we really don't, we really want to be accountable with, about our sin. When people get serious about sin, it, it's, I, I admit it, I hate it, thank God for his grace. I'm willing to do something about it, and I'm willing to be accountable to it. A few times in my life, a few times in my life, I've had people come to me and say, Preacher, I'm struggling with this. I want, you to be, I want to be accountable to you. I'm going to come to you on a regular basis, and I want you to ask me about am I doing this or not. You know what I knew then? Those folks were serious about sin. They weren't worried about hiding it. They weren't worried about getting caught. They weren't worried about all those things. They're just like, hey, I want to be right with God. Have you ever gotten to the place where you really, really, really wanted to be right with God? Like it was the most important thing to you? It didn't matter if you got in trouble. Didn't matter what people thought about you. Didn't matter about your reputation. Didn't matter about, nothing else mattered. All that mattered was that you were right with God. Oh, if we ever got to that place, how different our Christianity would be. If we ever got to that place, how different our churches would look. If we all we cared about, am I right with God and other people to the best of my ability? Dear friend, you realize one of these days we're going, to stand before, we're going to stand before a holy God. For most of the world, they're going to stand before the white throne judgment. 
and give an account before Jesus Christ. Their name's going to be written in a book, and they're going to be cast in a lake of fire forever and ever and ever. But we who know Christ are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We find in the book of Corinthians, and no, it's not going to be, we're not going to be, we're going to be, we're going to be accountable for our sin, but we'll be accountable for our works. And if, our, and if, if, if we're so caught up in sin that we cannot serve God, we'll lose the rewards that we could have had in, the, in heaven. I think a lot of people lose rewards. They won't get the crowns that God wants them to have so they're, because they're so caught up with the sin of this world. They won't get the eternal. They're so caught up in the temporal and taking care of themselves and pleasing themselves that they won't get the eternal that will matter so much later on. Oh, it's coming, dear friend. It's coming. So what's the application tonight? Well, application. True confession reveals the sincerity of the heart. True confession reveals the sincerity of the heart. I love what Max Lakato wrote. He wrote in one of his books, If we confess our sins, the biggest word in Scripture just might be that two-letter one if. For confessing sins, admitting failure is exactly what prisoners of pride refuse to do. Well, I might not be perfect. I'm better than Hitler and, 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 and certainly kinder than Ida Amin. He was a dictator of, of uh, Uganda. Remember, some of you remember him. A vicious dictator. Me, a sinner? Oh, sure. I get rowdy every once in a while, but I'm pretty good old boy. Listen, I'm just as good as a nice guy. I pay my taxes. I coach a little league team. I make a donation to the Red Cross. Why? God's probably proud to have someone like me on his team. That's the idea of confession for most folks. False confession reveals pride and self-sufficiency of the heart. True confession reveals sincerity of the heart. True confession, number two, requires the submission of the believer. During the Welsh Revival, as people confessed their sin and pleaded for the controlling of the Spirit of God, they did all they could to confess wrongdoings and make restitution. This unexpectedly created severe problems for the shipyards along the coast of Wales. Over the years, workers had pilfered all kinds of things. Everything from wheelbarrows to hammers had, had been stolen. However, as people sought to get right with God, they started to return what they had taken with the result that soon the shipyards of wells were overwhelmed with returned property. There were such huge piles of returned tools that several of the yards had put up signs that read, If you've been led by God to return what you've stolen, please know that the management forgives you and wishes you to keep what you've taken. <laughs> Boy, there's some revival right there. <laughs> don't even bring it back. We don't care. <laughs> and three, true confession revives the spirit of passion for God. And that's what, that's what David did in Psalm 51. Isn't that what he prayed? Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Have you lost your joy? Have you lost your joy? Has Christianity just become a duty? I go, I go, I need to, I go. Or is it just, you know, do you, are, you, are you feeling, are you listless? Are you inconsistent? Just kind of just going through the motions. No serious relationship with God. 
rationalizing your thing, rationalizing things you know is wrong. And rationalizing things in others that you know they're doing wrong too. Just letting other people treat you a certain way or act a certain way that you know is not right, but you just rationalize it. Oh, I just let them do it. No. No. Justification, comparison. No, these are all tools of the jailbird. They sound good. They sound familiar. They sound American. But they're not kingdom Christianity. It's not true Christianity. No. No, dear friend. Admit it. Have an aversion to it. Thank God for his grace that gives us, gets, can get us past it. But there must be action. There must be something done. There must be something done. And there needs to be accountability with somebody. If you're serious with your, about your sin, you will do all five things. If you're not serious about your sin, you won't do any of these things. You'll just say, tomorrow, someday I'll do that. That sounds good. I should do that. That cost me too, too much. I can't do that. I won't do that. I'll continue down this path. Hope things, hope things would be better. No, dear friend. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why not start today? Don't play around with God. Admit it. Admit it. Have an aversion to it. Ask God for the grace to do what you need to do. Do that action. Do what, do what needs to be done no matter how hard, no matter how difficult, no matter how painful it is. Do it and do it today. And then be accountable. Don't go back to it. Don't go back to it. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and we thank you for your grace. We just ask, God, you'd help us to have the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. But can, we can only do that as we live clean before you. We can only have that joy as we live, have freedom. We have peace in our heart. There's no sin. We've confessed our sin. We've admitted it. We hate it. We have grace to content, not to continue, but to say no to it. Lord, help us to have, take an action tonight. Tomorrow, not next year, not someday, not possibly. No, now, today. If there's anything in our life, we need to confess it. If there's anything, some relationship's not right, some habit we know is wrong, some attitude, some hobby, something. If the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit brings it to your mind right now, mark it right now, it's, it's God's will for your life to confess it and do something about it. And be accountable to somebody so you'll change. Oh God, forgive us where we fail you so often. And help us to live for you, I pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet tonight as the piano plays. If God has spoken in your heart tonight, if you're here tonight and you don't know Christ, if you have any doubts, the altar's open. We'd love to see you get saved. If you're not sure, you go to heaven, why not be sure tonight? If you're struggling with some sin or something you need to do, how about tonight taking care of it? Don't wait, friend. Don't wait. Not next week. Not someday. Not next revival service. No, dear friend. Now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you tonight. Tonight is the time to confess it. Tonight is the time to forsake it. Tonight is the time to get rid of it. To go past it. 
Not to look over it. Not to compare it. Not to justify it. Get it right. Get it right. Take care of it tonight. I promise you, you'll feel so much better once that weight is off of you. You'll feel like you can fly. You'll feel like a bird. Once that guilt and that sin is confessed, you'll feel so much better. You don't have to confess it to me. Go to God and get right with God tonight. Father, if we know from your word, if, if you marked iniquities, who could stand? <laughs> Thankfully, we're so thankful that grace and mercy and forgiveness is found in you. Oh, a lot of times people around us, there might not be too much forgiveness. We hold grudges. We say, we'll never forgive. It was too hard. It hurt too much. But we're so thankful, Lord, if we can go, we go to you, you, you will always forgive us of our sin. We're so grateful and we're so thankful. Oh, God, help us to have a clean, clean heart, pure heart and clean hands. Help us to be right with you. Help us to be right with other people. And whole Spirit of God, if there's anything that's not right in our heart, in our life, show us tonight. Show us and help us to admit it, to confess it. And if we fail again, give us the boldness, the courage not to give up, but to confess, continue to confess until we see your lovely face. Be right with you forever. Lord, bless the night. Thank you for your mercy and your